and uh, it's probably going to go on for a, a few more weeks and just talking about the church it, it, it's important because the church the whole idea of the church is not a man's something man invented it's something God designed so it's important that we understand like why did God establish the church what, what is that all about and so we started last week and really just looking at the fact that this whole idea of church, it, it's more than just a building, right? The, the, the word itself literally simply means a gathering of people, a called out group of people. Okay? And they gather for specific reasons. Okay? We saw in the Old Testament that those people were really who? And initially, Israel. God called out Israel. You're going to be my people. You're going to represent me. I'm going to work through you in showing the pagan nations who God is. And this pattern of being a called out people to worship God really set the stages for what we see in the New Testament as far as the New Testament church. So it's not about a building. It's about a people. A people that have been called out by God, saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So if something were to happen to this building, the church has not been affected. Amen. You might now if you're scratching your head saying, wait, really? Okay. Amen. This is a build. We're in a factory. We're in a building. This is not a church. The church are the people. Amen? Amen. I remember one time sitting in a meeting. I was on staff at another church and 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 you know, we were going back and forth, and I love Deacon's meetings, you know. <laughs> and everybody's like going back and forth about the budget, and, well, we really need to do this, and, well, if, if we do that, then people aren't going to come, and, and if we do that, then people are going to stop coming, and finally I couldn't take it anymore. So I, I said, brothers, can I say something? I said, it sounds like we're more concerned about pleasing people than doing what God has laid on our heart. And get that awkward silence. He's like, uh oh, who let this guy in? And he said, Well, if we don't give the people what they want, then they'll stop coming. And then we'll have to close the doors of the church. And I said, Bro, you don't understand what the church is. Because they made this connection between if the people aren't happy, the offerings go down and the church gets closed. What? I said, if the people aren't happy and we lose this building, we can go meet up on that hill underneath that walnut tree. Amen. It doesn't affect the church. And I think what has happened in America, especially in America, we've taken the idea of God's idea of church and we've turned it into a business. Mm -hmm. So we got to keep the customers happy. No, that's not God's design. Amen. It's about proclaiming who Jesus Christ is. As a matter of fact, if we're trying to keep everybody happy and comfortable, and then we start growing because of that, I really don't want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. That's right. Now that might sound counterintuitive. It's not about keeping people happy. It's about proclaiming the truth of God's word. Amen. And if you do that in this day and time, Faithfully, stay true to the scripture. People are not going to be happy. Amen. Amen. So, so the idea of a church, this is important to Pastor Emmanuel and I because we know and understand so many distorted views when it comes to the church. And I think it's important for you all to be reminded of God's purpose because you are part of the church. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of the church. And that has implications. So, as we jump back in, let's ask God's blessing. Father, thank you for the church. It was established by you. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. And so I pray, God, as we look at your word today, Father, please instill in us the importance of your called out people to worship you to grow in love for you and for one another. So Lord, bless this time, please. May your Holy Spirit align our thinking with yours wherever it's off. 
And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the church in the New Testament, I want to kind of shift and look at the New Testament a little bit. And the idea of the church. God's people and how they worship. Yes, it has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So when we say church, in a very general sense, that simply means a gathered group of people, right? We saw that in the Old Testament with Israel. When we get to the New Testament, yes, it's a gathered group of people, but some of the elements have now changed in how they do worship. Okay? So now we're going to see, here's God's people who are gathered, meeting in particular locations, and the New Testament does identify those locations as churches. There's a called out group of people meeting over there. Again, the emphasis is not on the building, it's on the people. Amen. Okay? So you'll read the New Testament and you'll see letters that are written to churches. To the church in Chloe's house. To the church that are in Galatia. To the churches that are... These are established locations where God's people are meeting. And we see that throughout the New Testament. We, 2,000 years later, are a church. Because we are a gathering of God's believers. Amen. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says what in regards to the church? And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There it is. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about a people. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God has been drawing men and women, boys and girls, all the way since going back to the Old Testament into relationship with him. And it's still happening today. Amen? Amen. God said, I'm going to keep building my church, not a building, people coming to me through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church. And so we have brothers and sisters who know the Lord Jesus Christ all over the world right now worshiping. They're part of this church that Matthew is talking about. Now, when we get to the New Testament, we'll see that entire body is not worshiping together, right? There's certain local assemblies where the body, the larger body, is now working in smaller assemblies, and we are one of those. Does it make sense? Okay? So again, the church are God's people. It's a local assembly, a called out group of believers in Jesus Christ. This has practical implications, guys. We're living in a day now where there is a mass exodus from the local assembly. Like, people are not coming to church. And you talk to some people, and it's like, well, you know, I kind of, you know, worship, you know, at home. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of watch service online. Okay, does that fulfill the mandate of being part of a local assembly? No. And I think this will become clearer as we start unpacking the way God designed it. You see, it's not just about us gathering as God's people just to hear a message or sing. We're going to get into down the road, it's about gifts that God has given each of you. That's another whole message. I should be pouring into your life. You should be pouring into my life. Amen. Wait, I thought you were the pastor. Yeah, I'm one of them. He's the other one. Oh, so y'all just like give us. Well, yeah, we're to shepherd you, shepherd the flock among you, but we are to equip you for the work of the ministry. Amen. Ephesians says. How does that happen if you're sitting behind YouTube? It can't. No, no, don't get me wrong. Don't go home and like delete your YouTube account. Just hear me out, okay? What I'm saying is, let's do an analogy. If dinner time at the table with roast beef and carrots and butter mashed potatoes and cornbread and collard greens and sweet apple pie, if that's the main dinner, that's like church on Sunday. YouTube church, that's like grabbing a handful of planters peanuts. 
See the difference? <laughs> okay. There is something different about sitting in here in person. God designed it this way. That we might get to know one another, edify one another, encourage one another, and use your giftedness to build up the body of Christ. Amen. So this idea today where people are just looking at a screen and saying, well, I'm a part of a church, but it's an online church. You can't fulfill the elements of the New Testament church by sitting, watching church online. You just can't do it. Now, is it wrong? No, nah, you know, you're not feeling well. You've got people tuned in right now. That's cool, right? But understand, God has called us to come together. Amen? Amen. So, look at Acts 1, 6-9. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, this is Jesus at the end of his ministry. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this is Jesus Christ at the end of his earthly ministry. He has died. He has risen from the dead. He says, all power is now given to me. Go make disciples. He goes back up to the Father and he tells them the Holy Spirit is going to come and you are going to begin to proclaim me. And we're going to see this is exactly what the disciples are going to do throughout the book of Acts. And in doing that, they begin to establish local churches, local groups of believers. Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Fulfillment of what Jesus Christ said would happen. There is something fundamentally different that is now happening in history. For the first time, the Holy Spirit is now coming to indwell us. Amen. This is radically different than what anyone had ever experienced. And we're going to see the outworking of this. This promise of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling on the disciples. And now they're going to begin to proclaim Christ and proclaim what? A very simple message. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is right there the essential message that every church ought to be proclaiming. Amen. Now, I don't have to tell you, you could go on YouTube and start listening at messages from churches. Is this the central message that we're hearing? And what grieves my heart is while it's important to talk about these other topics that we're dealing with in our lives, if Christ is not being proclaimed from pulpits, we are moving away from what the essential message ought to be. Amen. Coming from pulpits and churches. It's not about your best life now. It's not about five keys to success. Seven ways that you can be your better person. Hold on a minute. And nowhere do you see or hear anything about Christ. Okay? So, let's keep moving. Again, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm walking through some passages just to see or help you see how this church started to flourish. The New Testament church. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Remember, the Holy Spirit now has filled them in the upper room. Now they're speaking in these foreign languages. 
And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, and you get the idea, right? Cretans and uh, Arabians, we hear them telling, here it is, in our own tongues, the mighty works of God. Wow. Look, look what's happening here. Jesus Christ has gone back up to heaven. He now commissioned the disciples, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to empower you. The Holy Spirit comes. They all start speaking in tongues. This is happening at the day of Pentecost. Now you got to understand, everybody and their mama are in the city for Pentecost. It's a huge Jewish celebration. So you got all these different foreigners that we just listed that are in the city. Picture this. These guys coming down out of the room and they're speaking in their languages. But they're Jews. Can you see the phenomenon? And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, listen, listen. That, that man's speaking my language. How, how does, he knows Egyptian? That's a Jew. Wait, wait, that guy's speaking my language. Here are these guys, this phenomena of the Holy Spirit coming and speaking through these believers foreign languages that they never learned. Mm -hmm. Amen. I, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> I know he does. You don't think he does? Look at the mirror. He has a sense of humor. Come on. He does. In the middle of this huge festival with all of these nationalities, I'm just picturing these guys coming down from the upper room and they're speaking all these foreign languages and everybody's looking at them like, wait, what? How's that possible? But don't get enamored with the fact that you're speaking in a foreign language. Look at the message. Amen. What are they speaking? Telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Amen. They're proclaiming who God is, what Christ has done. They're proclaiming the gospel to all of these foreigners. And here we see the fulfillment of what Jesus Christ said would happen. And notice, as, as, as we jump ahead, Acts 2, 32, 33, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And again, you can go back and read the entire context, but what's happening? As these men are speaking in foreign languages, it was such a phenomenon that people said uh, they must be drunk. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that, like, if you get drunk, all of a sudden you become fluent in another language. It's really a language you don't understand. Like, what do you say, bro? Right? They were fluent in these other languages. And so because they don't understand what's going on, they're like, they're drunk. Now they're drunk. And then Peter stares at them and says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what's happening. This is that which was prophesied. This is exactly what God said would happen the Holy Spirit would come and they would speak in other tongues. And notice what he says. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. What you are seeing and hearing is fulfillment of the promise of what Jesus said. Go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now this, this is so crucial, guys, because it's, it is through the Holy Spirit that God draws people to himself. Amen? Amen. It's, if, if, if God's spirit does not draw us, we're done. Mm -hmm. We're doomed. No man seeks after God. That's right. 
And that's why it is an act of God's mercy when he opens up our eyes and the Holy Spirit begins to show us our sinfulness. And then salvation is imparted. Notice what happens here. Acts 2.36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wow. I like that message. Peter preaching to these Jewish people, explaining what they are seeing, what they are hearing. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? <laughs> That's the right response when you hear the gospel proclaimed to you. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit comes, they begin to proclaim the gospel and now people are going to start getting saved. Now what happens once these people get saved? What, what happens once, once they repent and they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Peter is saying to do? Now you have these believers, now what? Do they just go back to their homes? Well, yes, but now this is where you're going to see the establishment of local assemblies. Because God established for God's people to come together with a shepherd or elder who will teach the word of God. They will grow in their faith, proclaim Jesus Christ, use their giftedness in building up that local body. And what you're seeing here in Acts are the very beginning of the establishment of actual local assemblies. And it's beautiful because we look at Hope Community and we're one of those assemblies in a long line Amen. of tens of thousands of local assemblies that have gathered in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. What a privilege. The preaching of the gospel and the call to repentance resulted in the church being built. Now again, the church being built kind of in a non-technical sense, just God's people coming to know Right? The universal church, sometimes they say. But then these local assemblies began to be established. And this is the design that God came up with. Not for us. Listen, God never intended that after salvation, I just go live on my own. I just do life my own way. And I did that for a period of time in my life. I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I trusted in him alone for salvation. I had my Bible and I was good. I'm just going to read my Bible at home and I'm going to grow in my faith. That's not the way God designed it. While it's important for me to study God's word on my own at home, I needed to be part of a local assembly. Let me tell you why I didn't want to be. Because I could give you all the ill and all the bad news about the local assemblies in my neighborhood. I'm not going to that church. That guy right there who's a pastor, yeah, he's driving a Benz. How are you driving a Benz in the hood? We all want food stamp and eating block cheese and you got a Benz. I ain't going there and giving him my money. I'm just being real with you. And so I alienated myself from the body. And you probably have your own stories you can tell. So finally, I never got, got rest of soul. Jay Bird used to be in the band with me. I mean, one day he saw me and he was like, yo, bro, where you go to church? I said, uh, where I go to church? I said, in my bedroom. He was like, man, you got to be part of a church. I said, no, I'm good. I said, look, are we going to practice today? He said, well, yeah, after church. I'm headed to church. Why don't you come visit me? I said, man, I'm good. I'm good. And it was Jay who said, man, you really need to, you need to be part of the body. And I said, you know what? Fine, whatever. I'll go. Now I'm coming to church. Right? And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I will never forget this. Again, you know, Satan, Satan, Satan's always out there to try to get you tripped up. Walking to this church, music is going, and then the lady up front, 
I guess she started to pray. I didn't realize she was praying. So I just walked in to go find a seat. And this usher, choo, choo. And I'm like, yo, you touching me. Oh. I mean, just like, like I thought a guy was going to punch me. I'm like, what, what did I do? Well, just wait, wait. Wow. I'm sitting like, see, this is why I don't want to come to church. I didn't even get to criticize the sermon. This is the usher. I don't know if he was having a power complex or just like, you know, wait. And I'm sitting there like, wow. Didn't say like, oh, if you could just wait a minute, they're praying. No, no. So right away, I got a bitter taste in my mouth. Go to the service. He finally sits me down. I wasn't allowed to sit where I wanted to sit. That bothered me too. So he, he goes like that for me to go in. So I go in. I go in to sit in the first pew. And the usher over here is like. <laughs> and I'm like. Me? I got witnesses. Come on. Why can't a brother sit where he wanted to sit? And where do you think they put me? Where do you think they put me? The front. All the way up front. Exactly what y'all doing. See, this is why I didn't want to come. And I'm sitting there, and now I'm mad because the usher greeted me the way he did. I can't sit right now. I'm sitting right up front. And now the pastor starts preaching. Alright. Cool. And I'm like, just open mind, open mind. I don't see my friend Jay, by the way. I'm like, where Jay at? This is the Sunday he decided not to come. <laughs> we get through the entire message. And I wanted to talk to the pastor. I got some questions. I'm young, 19, 20. I just, I'm struggling with some stuff. So I was like, okay, that's cool. They put me up front because it's a big church, four or 500 people. They say amen. Pastor up there getting this stuff. I come walking up. Usher stopped me. Excuse me. What are you doing? I'm like, what are we doing? Playing football? What's that? Stop. What are you doing? That's just, no, I'm not talking about No, 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 no. No, you got to make an appointment to see the pastor. I said, no, I'm out. You crazy. I was so mad walking up there. I said, I, gotta, I said, but he's right there. He, he's right there on the pulpit. He was like, no, no, you gotta, no, you can call a secretary and then show. I said, but he's right there. Yeah, I know, but no, no, you, you, you can't just walk up and talk to the pastor. Wow. I left, I walked back home. I said, I ain't never going back. See, we, we all have those stories, right? Amen. And I can tell you story after story after story. But it wasn't until I was in my 20s, 25 years old, when I met Monique. And we start dating. And I'm still not going to church anywhere. And she looked at me and she, she said, oh, so what do you fellowship? I'm like, oh, man. Because Monique was going to church. I said, well, you know, you know, Bible says we're two or three are gathered in his name. There I am. Bottom line is, she was like, honey, I don't want to marry somebody that's not going to church. I was like, wow. But here's, here's what God did in my heart. And this is why I'm so passionate about the church. And, and, and so is Pastor Emmanuel. I can give you horrible stories from leadership to things that pastors have done, to things that members have done. I can give you all those stories. But at the end of the day, guys, here's what I realized. The church is God's design. Amen. And God knew when he said, I want you as a believer to be part of a local assembly. He knew there were going to be hypocrites in there. He knew people from the pulpit are going to give as prayer requests stuff you said in confidence. He knew all that was going to happen. Right. And people, because they've been hurt, they've been burned, they say, I want nothing to do with the church. The problem is, the church is God's design. Amen. And there are things that God said, I have ordained to do through the local assembly. And you miss out on it when you alienate yourself from the church for whatever reason. Amen. That's what got me back in the church. And now you got to do what? All right, this is my ragtag family. So we're going to have to work it out. We're going to have to confess our sins to one another. I'm going to have to come to you and say, yo, man, you offended me. Like, now we're going to have to do life together. Mm -hmm. You know what people rather do? Run. Right. Run and watch church from their bedroom. And then they wonder something's missing in my life. You can't negate the fellowship that God says we need as his called out people.
and have your life be what God has called it to be in Christ. Amen. That's why I got back into church. You know the one thing I said at the age of 26? The one thing I will never ever do is be a pastor. <laughs> Don't you ever tell God what you won't do. Amen. Don't you ever do that. And I could give you exhibit one, exhibit two, and exhibit three of all the reasons I will never be a pastor. And each one of those exhibits are pastors. Pastors who are in ministries for their own self-gain. I said, never. Guys said, really? So guys, we're passionate about you guys understanding the importance of the church. Yes, with all of its flaws, with all of the personality differences, with all of what well, that person offended me. What I, okay, all right. But God says, come together. Amen. Come together. Because this is his design. Notice what it says in Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves. These are the apostles now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right? And the what? What's the next word? Fellowship. Fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I believe that breaking of bread has to do with communion. What we just did. The Lord's table. The agape meals they would do. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Man, can you imagine if we had that at home? Amen. Just that mindset, like we're one, man. We're in the same family. Can you imagine that? And so many times we're worried about what the other person thinks. Well, I can't be vulnerable. I can't let people know what I'm struggling with. Why? God knows. And God said, I put you in a local body that you might be what? Encouraged, built up in the faith. Amen. What Satan says is now you can't let nobody know what's going on in your life. And I get it. If you let somebody know what's going on in your life, another believer, you take the risk of being hurt. Yes, I get it. Right? But this is God's design. This is God's design. And so notice they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Wow. You talk about unity? What if we all just lined it up now? Okay, everybody, you know, uh, bank account numbers, please. We're just going to put it all in one account and just give it out as people need. You'd be like, yeah, ain't happening. Right? <laughs> Now understand that there was such a unity around the gospel. The temple had failed at what the temple was supposed to do. You see, the, the temple, one of the requirements that God had put on the temple that eventually was destroyed, they were supposed to be taking care of the needs of the widows, of the orphans. And the temple became what? All about itself. The priest. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, it all became about them. And so now here you see God's people doing what ought to have been done the way God intended it. But now they're doing it as believers. It's a beautiful picture. We don't need the temple to take care. The temple now has become corrupt. We're going to take care of one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Notice, and day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Guys, this is such a beautiful picture. Notice what it says in verse 46. And we don't have time to unpack all of this, but I'm just trying to give you an overview. Day by day, attending the temple together. They're still going to the temple? Yeah. Temple's not destroyed yet. They're not going to the temple worshiping. They're in the outcourts of the temple. These Jewish believers. Picture it. And what are they doing? What are they doing? Praising God and they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. It's like, what? At the temple? Are you crazy? 
Do you know what's going to happen? And Acts plays it out. Persecution. How dare you stand up here at the temple and say that that Jesus was the Messiah? Oh, yes, that's what we're going to do. They proclaimed Christ to the Jewish people who eventually they end up getting persecuted at the hands of the Jews. But notice the, the, the commitment here day by day. They would go to the temple. Then they had the fellowship in their homes. There is this, this, this unity among them and God is using these early believers who are proclaiming Jesus to do what? Add to those being saved. There were many Jews that came to know Christ. Now we're going to see a shift in the book as we go on. Where all of a sudden the persecution is going to ramp up and the Jews are going to be scattered, these Jewish believers. But guess what's going to happen? God's going to keep building his church. God's going to keep drawing people in. Then the Gentiles are going to start coming in. What, what I want you to see though is the passion and the commitment that these early believers had in proclaiming Jesus. Despite them being in a culture that was anti-Jesus. And it's going to eventually cost them their lives. So what do we see early on happening here? This is the seed form of the church starting to blossom and starting to become organized into these local congregations. The message of repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it begins to spread. And now persecution also spread as the message that gospel is starting to be proclaimed. So again, if you can, if you can just go back and picture these Jewish believers, these disciples who knew Jesus Christ, they're proclaiming Christ. And now people are becoming Christ followers. And now, what do you do with all these people? They start establishing local assemblies where they continue to learn about Christ. And again, we are a product of this. Amen. The growth of the church is still going on today. Local churches are going to start to emerge. And they contain what? Assemblies of confessing believers, locally organized, Holy Spirit empowered. Amen? Amen. And it is through this means that God said, Jesus said, I'm going to keep building my church through local assemblies proclaiming Jesus Christ. Amen. And Hope Community is no different. Now, we're going to get into, as we continue in this series, is so what does that practically look like? And again, as I said, it's more than us coming just hearing a message. It's more than that. That's a big part of it, right? That's a big part of it, hearing the teaching of God's word, the celebration of communion, baptisms, right? Like we just experienced. All of that is part of what happened in the local congregation. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And we want to encourage you guys to first understand what the purpose is and then start walking in that purpose. Amen. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get ready to wrap up. I know we're getting late here. Look at Acts 5. Again, this is Peter. And Peter gets arrested. He gets thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And notice what it says. After he got freed by the angel, the angel says, go and stand in the temple. There it is again. Why he keeps sending me to the temple, Lord? That's where those Jewish people are. But Peter had the boldness to do it. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. the words of this life Christ <laughs> the message of the gospel all life true life spiritual life it comes through Jesus Amen. 
This is why he got thrown in prison. So the angel opens up the door and says, you're out. Oh, can I go home? No, no, no. I want you to go back to the temple and keep preaching Christ. <laughs> Notice, and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak. That's early. And began to teach. Now when the high priest and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Well, what happened? They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. All right, go get those boys. Let's see what's going on. And they're in the temple preaching. Thank God has a sense of humor. Hey, boss. Hey, boss. Something happened. They're not there. But they're preaching the gospel. Again, the, the boldness of the early believers, the boldness of these disciples, right? Despite the persecution that they went through. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. What do you think they're teaching the people? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The very Messiah that the Jewish people denied, crucified, remember Peter said that in his sermon, this Jesus whom you crucified, I declare unto you, walked up to the temple with the Sanhedrins and the chief priests and all these people. And it's kind of like this. Somebody walking up on your front door. Like getting in your territory. They come to the temple and they declare Jesus. Man, you're making yourself an open target. But you see the boldness, the passion. They believed this message. Why? Why? And this kind of segues into next week. They weren't preaching a religion. They were preaching a reality. Amen. Okay. Well, this is coward Peter. Remember Peter? You will not go down to Jerusalem and die. I forbid it. Get behind me, Satan. Huh? Peter with all of his boldness, right? And then Christ gets arrested. And what does Peter do? I don't know. No, I don't know. Three times, right? I don't know, to the point where he's cursing and swearing at the girl. I don't know this man. What happened? This same Peter is now in the temple declaring, this Christ whom you crucified. He left out, and I was a coward that night, and I ran in my head like a little lamb. He like, no, no, he's bold now. Amen. Yeah, this Christ. Wait, Jesus Christ? Yup. What about him? You crucified him. I declare him unto you. He is Lord. Where did he get that boldness from? Amen. The resurrection. Amen. The resurrection. Amen. This wasn't, he turned over a new leaf. He felt bad because he denied Jesus. Now he's going to proclaim Jesus. No. Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. And now Peter realized he indeed is Lord. And Peter was willing to suffer whatever he had to suffer. Because the worst day for Peter was to be ushered into the presence of God once he took his life. Oh, that we would have that kind of passion. Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them. But not by force. For they were afraid of being stoned by the people. That's, that's awesome. Like people are believing Peter. They can't even stone him because the crowd is going to turn on the officers. Wow. Do, do you see what God is doing here? Amen. It's powerful. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Wow. You think, you know what, you know, you're right. You know what, boys? Let's back up our tents and, and, and go. 
Hey, we, we, we can't. That, I'm sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to rain on your parade. No, Peter continued to preach. We'll wrap up with this. But Peter and the apostles answered. Listen at the conviction. We must obey God rather than men. That's a different Peter. Amen. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Folks, the reason I'm spending time on this is because this is the beginning of the New Testament church. And you see what the central message is. Preaching Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. This is the fundamental message that God now begins to draw people in and save them. And now they're going to start forming local assemblies. But notice what the main message is. Christ crucified. Risen from the dead. Every local church, if that is not the main message they declare, they are moving away from the message God intended every local church to have. Now there's more. We're just getting started. There's a lot more involved with what we do at the church. But make no mistake, Peter, the disciples, are now fulfilling the great commission beginning in Jerusalem and now they're going to spread out Paul's going to come into play and now they're going to go on the missionary journeys right but here you see in seed form how did we even end up with local churches you're seeing it play out in the book of Acts amen amen, amen. father thank you for the church Thank you for this church, these believers that gather here each week. God, it is through this gathering that you work. Father, the local church is one of the means through which you strengthen us. You make us more like Christ. Father, I pray that as we continue this series, you would help us to feel the weight the gravity of the importance of the local gathering. It's not just about going to church because it's Sunday. God, it's what you've called us to do because you meet us here in a unique way as we gather in the name of Christ, as we hear the preaching of the word, the singing of songs, remembering you through communion, God, you meet us in a special way. Father, you give us strength and spiritual growth in our lives through the local body. So, Lord, help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help us not to take it lightly. God, I know there's so many things that get in the way of gathering. But I pray, Father, as we begin to understand the weight that you put on the gathering, oh Lord, that it would just create in all of us a renewed commitment to come together and to meet with you through the means of the assembly, Father. We thank you, God. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ, for our salvation through Christ alone. And we pray, Father, that Hope Community would become just a bright light in this community. God, and it will be not because we're just nice people, but God, it will be because of Jesus that they would see we love you, God. We proclaim you. We do what we do. We are who we are because of Jesus Christ. May that be our testimony in this community, Father.
So, Father, we thank you for our time together. And we pray, God, that you would just solidify these truths in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.
Abby's getting, Abby's graduating. She's not going to be with us forever. We hurt whenever that happens. Why? Because our hearts are knit together. Amen? That's what God wants to do with us. That we were so loved Christ, loved each other, that we would hurt if one were to leave. Amen? God does that. And it takes patience, it takes believing God that this is valuable and good in the sight of God. Let's love each other. Amen? And I've been encouraged. I, I don't know about you, in the last few weeks, I've been so encouraged with how God is knitting hearts together. Let's continue. Now, you're going to get hurt. Some of you are going to get hurt. I might get hurt. You can wait. It's okay. But can we say, you know what? It's okay. Does Laura hurt me at times? Yes. Do I hurt her at times? Yes. Yeah, life is it's reality, folks. You know, we hurt each other. But we love each other. We're staying. Amen? I remember, you know, even this week, you know, Laura was going to New York and um, and uh, she said something. I'm like, I wasn't like, relax. <laughs> so she went upstairs. She was going to New York. And, uh, hey, Laura, I'm leaving. No answer. Laura, I'm leaving. Whatever. I'm leaving. I'm driving, the phone rings. Did you go? I said, yeah. I was calling you, did you show up? Man, I felt, you weasel. <laughs> I couldn't shake it off, man. I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I should have been patient. And I texted her, I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I love you. And I should have waited. Right? I mean, yeah, we, we, you go through things, you know, we're going to go through that, but am I walking away? She's walking away? No, we're committed to each other. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Tested love. Amen? When Jesus said, I'm going to be with you, when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. Can we ask, can we believe God for that miracle of love? That we can love each other for like that. And it's going to take you and me. We all have to do our part. I was telling, um, I think I was telling Ron this week. I said, you know, for years, you know, I've been wanting to pray for unity. I think that was one of our first prayers, right? Unity, 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 unity. Lord, unite us, I think, Lord. You, you do whatever you want. <laughs> and uh, but I've been blessed because the last few weeks, I've been sensing everybody's bringing their little part. Everyone is doing their part. Everyone is texting a, a, an encouraging word, a picture of a sunrise, a sunset, right? And you have no idea how much that just fuels, just, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Beautiful. Do your part. Don't be afraid. Um, get out of yourself. If you get hurt, the Lord will heal you. Amen. He will heal you. You know, and sometimes we get hurt because we're prideful. It's not even because of real hurt. I don't know about you. Like 99% of my hurts is because of my pride and selfishness. Amen? And it just get rubs me, right? You know, it's not genuine, you know, the very little time that's a genuine hurt. You know? So let's 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 move forward. I'm I'm just believing God for this series to really deepen the roots of love. Care. A brother called me this week and said, hey, the men would like to get together and go out hiking. Dude, I was like, yes! <laughs> yes! Let's get together. We're family. We need to love each other. Well, the world is dying with loneliness. Do you know that? People are lonely, depressed, anxious in their room. Do you understand that the world is just so lonely? But we could have, we have a gift here. Amen? You don't have to feel alone, you know. But the world is a lonely place, let's be honest. It's a lonely place. But we have each other and we have Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
So make, make good use of it. Be a good steward of the gift of God in you. And the gift of God is the people around you. That's the gift of God. But we don't value that gift. Whatever. And we don't value, we're not a good steward of the gift that God has given us. We don't enjoy each other, you know, as the way we should. We wait until someone dies, right? And then there we go. You know, and you know what's so sad about going to a funeral? I went to a funeral not too long ago. It broke my heart. It was like, but the person died, and I'm, I'm leading the service. I don't know the family that well, but, you know, but I, 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 was, I said, hey, would anyone who would like to share something that they've enjoyed about this person's life? Let's celebrate their life. Let's take a moment to celebrate their life. So please, please come and share just a little bit.
And so we pray that, Lord, give us love, give us patience, and help us to delight in you and in each other. I pray for this food, Lord, today. I pray you would bless, oh God, bless this fellowship meal to our bodies, bless our time together, our conversation. May we get to know each other and, and just laugh and just have a great time with each other. And so we invite the Spirit of God to just have dominion even over the time of fellowship and the meal. So bless this food to our bodies. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You can transition to the back and um, we'll, we'll enjoy a meal soon.